Time for a bit of soccer, time for a bit of football of the round ball variety. Time for the beautiful game with a British twist. Welcome to EPL Junkie. Football is back, Mourinho's back, Conti's here, Pep's here, Klopp's back. Arsenal are still rubbish. Martin is still in Rio at the Olympics. It's our first show of the season. I'm on my own. Here we go. You are listening to USA Today's EPL Soccer Junkies, and I am delighted to be joined today uh, by Andrew Mangan, founder of Blog, and without question, probably one of the most influential Arsenal bloggers and voices out there today. Andrew, thanks so much for joining the uh, Junkies crew. My pleasure. My pleasure. So you were probably having a beautiful summer, sipping on sangria somewhere, chilling, poolside, and then the new season started. And I thought to myself, what's going to be the first thing I want to ask Andrew? Because I follow you religiously. I love your vibe. I love your podcast. I love the things you say. You're very honest and candid. You don't hold back. And I thought, yeah, I could ask him about transfers and who we're tied to. But that's just all nonsense. Because this issue with Arsenal is now a pandemic, Andrew. Opening game, I don't think it's an overreaction because of the seasons that we've just seen pass us by. What is your initial assessment of that opening game and really the, the core issues of what's going on at the club? I think the first thing that I would say is that we just didn't prepare properly. The, the manager didn't prepare properly for the new season and that seems to be an ongoing issue because Arsenal have only won on the opening day once in the last seven seasons. So that tells you there's a bit of a problem. Um there's obviously the European Championships to deal with and players coming back in fits and starts and, and trying to get ready and a tour to the US and a tour to Scandinavia. But I think you've got to look at football in the modern era and all the big clubs are doing those kind of tours. So you've got to adapt and you've got to, you've got to be able to deal um, with football within those confines. So you have to get your players fit and ready. It was very interesting to see Arsene Wenger say after the the friendly against Manchester City last weekend, he said, we're physically ready. And then after the game against Liverpool on Sunday, he said, we're not physically ready. So it's difficult to know what's going on. There's a very confused message. There are confused messages running throughout the club all summer long. Arsenal have said they needed a striker. They've said they needed a defender. They haven't done anything about either of those things. Uh, the, the need for a defender was particularly pressing ahead of Liverpool. And it just feels like nobody quite knows what's going on or nobody's really taking charge. When I say nobody, there's really only one man who can take charge of the situation. And that's, that's Arsene Wenger. And I think ultimately what happened against Liverpool was down to poor planning, poor preparation, a team that wasn't ready. And that the book has to stop with Arsene Wenger in that regard. Okay, so you bring up the US tour, and I was with the team for a couple of days, and I watched them train, and I also sat in the press conference with Arsene Wenger. Mm. And Andrew, it was, it was one of those moments where the light bulb went on in my head, and I'm always hopeful every season, like every Arsenal fan, but some of the things he was saying just didn't make sense. You know, he was talking about... Um, you know, the transfer market and how we have to focus on what we have within. And he started talking about, you know, the Pogba deal and spending money. And I just thought, wow, he has a moral dilemma spending money. 
And then when he made that comment um, a few days ago uh, regarding how he views it as his money and everyone erupted over that, mm. it, it's actually really true. And there's there's a second there's a second issue, which I'll get to, and that's mental. But initially, talk me through what you think, because when I looked him in the eyes and I asked him the question, I thought to myself, wow, this is your philosophy. You really don't believe in going out and buying players. You do believe in nurturing but you also maybe just like to get one great player every season, as we have done since Carzola. We've had Carzola, Ozil, Sanchez, Czech, and now Granite Jacker is the one marquee signing. And that's it. That's what he really believes. And I think his moral dilemma, Andrew, is stagnating and slowly destroying the club. Well, I tell you, I, I would disagree with you slightly in the sense that um, I think he's willing to spend money but he won't spend money unless he is utterly convinced that this player will bring something better to the team or better to the squad. So, I mean, you 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 cite those examples of good players, Mesut Ozil, Alexis Sanchez, Granit Xhaka, you know, big money signings. So I don't, I don't think he has really a moral objection to spending in itself. But when you talk about the comment he made about how a football manager should look at the club's money as his own money, because I think what he was trying to say there was, you know, you you would do your if it's your own money, you will do your best not to waste that money in any way. But if you feel like this is just a pot that you can reach into and spend, then maybe you're more inclined to take unnecessary risks, or or you don't necessarily do your full or your your due diligence on a player. So I, I think he is prepared to spend, but only if the player that he wants is at the right price, what he considers to be the right price. And that player then adds something to his team. Um, I, you know, I, I people say, look, he doesn't like spending money. If you go back to 2013 when he brought in Ozil, I think they've spent 150, 160, 170 million pounds on transfers, on players who have come in in that period. I know it's a relatively long, it's three years, but certainly from an Arsenal point of view, it's it's a lot of money. But the minute he has a doubt about the 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 value of a deal or the value of a player, then he won't do it. But and then... I think that's what's that's what's that's what the problem is, is that sometimes, and particularly now more than ever, you've got to look outside what your own valuation is and accept the reality of the market. Look at what the market is telling us this season. If you you could pay 80, 90 million euros for a striker who's going to be 29 years of age, Higuain, who went from Napoli to, to Juventus. It is absolutely ludicrous when you st when you look at it, but this is the reality of football now. And I think his philosophy in terms of spending money is at odds with the reality of the market. I don't think it's necessarily an unwillingness to spend the money, just an unwillingness to, to, to change the way that he thinks about it, I, if that makes I, sense. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think, you know, we all, we all agree the Pogba money and the Higuain money is insane. Insane, especially in the world we live in today where people are struggling to make ends meet and, and we're asking football fans, especially Arsenal fans, to pay even more at the turnstiles. It's it's really ridiculous. But what if the philosophy is, if I get one Ozil, what if I get another Ozil in the other position that is needed? Why not then go get three Ozils and spend the right money in the right places? I, I, he, 
he really struggles with this and and it is an issue it's a it's a huge huge issue he was so proud of the rob holding signing i could see it in his eyes when we were talking and i complimented him on that because to be fair to holding he looked really good in pre-season when i saw him train he was being so vocal on the pitch andrew he was bossing people around it was really quite impressive and then we threw him into the walls on the opening day of the season what does that do as a manager, as a man manager, when you look at Conti and Klopp and even Pep, the way they manage their players, even the way they are on the sidelines managing their players, how does that set up a young player like Holding for the rest of the season when he could have gone out and strengthened the side and set the team up to succeed from day one? Why? Look, you know, you're <laughs> you're preaching to the choir here. You know, the, the minute Per Mertesacker got that injury in preseason, Arsenal should have brought in a centre-half because they were playing with fire. They knew Koscielny was coming back from the European Championships late. They knew that Gabriel was really the only senior centre-half that they had. Callum Chambers is a promising young, young player, but, but somebody Arsene Wenger didn't trust at centre-half last season. He barely played him at all throughout the season. Rob Holding, again, look, he could be... He could be the next Tony Adams. And in order to do that, he's got to get a chance to play. But when it comes right down to it, expecting a 20-year-old to come into a club like Arsenal, to go mm -hmm. into his first league game of the season, his first ever Premier League game, uh, playing against Liverpool with such pressure and such expectation, you know, it was a, bapti a baptism of fire for him. I thought he did pretty well overall. I wouldn't blame the two young centre-halves. I would point the finger again at the lack of planning and preparation, the fact that Arsenal still haven't done anything about the central defensive situation. We know that they're after uh, Mustafi from, from Valencia. Valencia have been waiting for Arsenal to come back to them with a bid. There's been nothing, nothing said. And here we are, a couple of days away from Arsenal, going to play the league champions. Leicester away from home. It could be Chambers and Holding again. So, you know, to you and me and to everybody looking from the outside in, we're thinking, well, why aren't you doing this? Why haven't you bought a central defender? Because pretty much 99% of managers would do exactly that. Mm -hmm. And when you try and buy Jamie Vardy in June, and that deal was dead by mid-June. It was, we knew that Vardy wasn't going to come to Arsenal by mid-June. Trying to do that deal in the first place tells us you need a striker, you want a striker. How do you get to mid-August, mid over two months later, and you still haven't bought a striker. Why not? I don't understand it. I find it very difficult to, to see any kind of logic. And, what you know, you were in press conferences with him. You've seen him speak. You've followed Arsenal down the years. We're dealing with a hugely, hugely intelligent man here. Like, he's incredibly intelligent. Anyone who's seen him speak knows that. But how do you then draw... I just don't understand why a guy who's that clever can can muddle his way through pre-seasons and, and the transfer window to date. I just don't get it. Yeah, and even in that same press conf conference, he talked. someone asked him about our weakness last season, and he said it was our conversion ratio. So, i.e., you have a player like Ozil who's creating so many chances, but you've got nobody to bang the goals in. And yeah. so how does that... Your It's a great point, because then how does his logic work for such an uber, uber intelligent man? to then not say, oh, okay then, well, maybe I'll get somebody who can actually score goals and convert, you know, Ozil's chances. And the problem is, too, is that you worry that players like Ozil and Sanchez will tire of this. And that leads me to my next finding um, of what was a nice summer and is turning into a summer horribilis a little bit, <laughs> is that 
Um, in that game against Liverpool, in the first half, it seemed like we dominated. And then when you see the contrast in the second half, Andrew, I was thinking to myself, well, is it because Liverpool just played complete rubbish or were we really dominating just because of the way Liverpool played in the second half? And mm. I think when you look at our trials and tribulations over the years, the one thing I can point to is mental impotence. And I say that because Ozil's a World Cup winner. Murta Saka's a World Cup winner. Czech won everything at Chelsea. Santi's won with Spain. Giroud and Koscielny get to the Euro finals this uh, this year. Ramsey had an amazing tournament, team of the tournament. I mean, he looked like a Barcelona player. He was brilliant. And then everyone comes under the Emirates roof and something goes horribly wrong. I think half of the battle, and again, does that come down to management, is that we have awful mental strength. And that is half the problem. Not the transfer market, because we've got really good players. But I don't know if anyone's bringing these players on in the right way, especially when it comes to the mental strengthening side. What, what What's your assessment of that? Uh, you know what I think it is that perhaps there's... Uh... The Arsenal players exist in something of a comfort zone. And we talk about signings and we've just talked about transfers. And one of the reasons that you make transfers is to fill very obvious needs in the squad, right? So you need a center half, you need a striker, you go out and you buy those players. The other reason that you might bring in players is to improve the squad. You may not have a pressing need, but maybe you can find a right winger who's far better than Theo Walcott. Maybe you can find a central defender who's who's better than what you already have. You know, you look at what he did when he brought in Czech. He had David Ospina and Wojciech Szczesny, two very good goalkeepers, but he, he saw somebody better and he went out and he, he brought that player in. But what those new players do is they add some energy, they add some freshness to the squad, and they add competitiveness to the squad. So players who might be able to exist in a comfort zone because they know, you know, there's going to be enough football here for me this season, all of a sudden now have something to prove because there's somebody better has come in. And I think that, as much as anything, the, the manager's unwillingness to to perhaps be a bit more ruthless with certain underperforming players ha contributes to uh, a culture of, of niceness. They exist in a comfort zone. We know that Arsenal are too nice. We saw it the other day. Uh, Arsenal are 4-3 down. or four, Yeah, I think it was 4-3 at the time. And a Liverpool player went down injured on the right-hand side uh, of the Liverpool uh, attack. Arsenal won the ball back, and, and we put the ball out of play. You don't do that. There needs to be a bit more, a bit more of an edge, a bit mm. more nastiness. I'm not talking about being violent. I'm not talking about anything like that. But when Arsene Wenger's teams won the championship and won the title, they had players who could put it about a bit. They had Patrick Vieira, they had Dennis Bergkamp, Thierry Henry, mm -hmm. Ray Parler, Martin Keown, you know, you know, even players like Edu, you wouldn't you wouldn't get in Edu's face because you get something right back. But this current crop are just a little bit too nice. And I think when when they encounter obstacles, the heads go down. That the first reaction isn't necessarily always to fight. And I think as well, there's a weight of familiarity to the failings. Um, that you know, as a as a player, let's say if you're in a team that has suffered these failings for season after season and, and it keeps happening and you're looking around on the pitch and you're going, well, who are the guys that are going to get us out of this? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. It's the same guys who put, who've been trying to get us out of this for the last number of years and have not been able to do it. You just don't have that, that bit of faith, that little bit of extra, you know, I, and we talk about mental strength, you know, all, all pretty much all of those Arsenal players have won things. They won back to back FA cups and they did so under serious pressure. If you remember 2014, you know, look at what happened in the semifinal with Wigan. They were eight minutes from going out and the two nil down in the final, almost three nil down. They came back and they turned it around. So I think there is a certain amount of mental strength in there. What I do feel is that the manager's cautiousness feeds into the the players' mindsets, mm. and I think that's what, what has a big effect. I, I, th- I agree. I think the angst of the manager and the media pressure that comes with that as the season rolls in affects the players, and the players take on the personality of their manager too. I, I think we'll, you know, and, and we'll see that with some of these new managers that have come into the game of those managers that have come into the into the Premier League this season, Andrew, if you could pick one, which one would you have wanted to be at Arsenal out of Conti, Pep and Mourinho and even Klopp the season before? I always felt like when I looked around, I mean, Mourinho, I wouldn't go near him if he was on fire. Um, <laughs> Conte is obviously a very astute uh, tactical manager, uh, very demonstrative. But when I looked at, around at who were the candidates, for me, Pep Guardiola would have been the outstanding one because of the the way that I think he would have just fit with Arsenal's philosophy as a club and Arsenal's philosophy uh, from a footballing point of view. And I think one of the things that we we overlook or, or we don't talk about too much at the moment is we're very unsure of what Arsenal's football philosophy is at this moment in time. We don't know. I mean, last season, Arsenal's football was so confused it was it was like watching football from a completely different manager because down the years you could always identify a style of football that was very mm-hmm. very much Arsene Wenger and that hasn't been there for about well at least twelve months now maybe a little bit longer uh, so I thought I thought Guardiola would have been a, a really good fit for Arsenal but I also think Jurgen Klopp would have been a good fit for Arsenal as well that you know what, what he did with Dortmund perhaps was not quite a parallel but it was similar enough to what Arsene Wenger did at Arsenal when he brought a a, a big club, but not the biggest club in, in the league uh, and had great success with them winning, winning league titles. So it would have been between the two of them. And I think when it comes down to it, we're looking at a situation that when Arsene Wenger eventually leaves the club, that it's go- I think it's going to be quite seismic in terms of the way that it affects the football club because I don't believe the structures are in place to de- to deal with a, a new manager, certainly not a new modern manager um, at this moment in time. But, you know, those two, Klopp and Guardiola, would have been the, the outstanding candidates for me. Would you like to see someone like Dennis come back to the club? I mean, this uh, we seem to lose all of our players to Manchester City and other clubs. Another glaring um, issue in terms of the control and... And how Arsene wants to, and I love. Look, I I totally respect this man. I what he's done for this club is incredible. He changed sure. not only Arsenal. He changed the Premier League. He changed football. He introduced a new rhythm to how t- players should train, how they should eat. Even Sir Alex Ferguson commended him, made him a better manager too, because he totally changed things. But as he walks off into the sunset. Who do we turn to? Where do we go? And and are there any players that can come and emulate what Conti did at Juve and what Pep did at Barca? You know, these ex-players who come and, and infuse an energy into the club. Can you see something like that happening? I, it's, I don't see anybody out there who could do it at this moment in time. 
you know, Dennis is obviously uh, working at Ajax, was assistant manager at Ajax, but, you know, has a very obvious limitation in that he can't fly and won't fly. So you can't have a football manager that won't fly if you're playing in the Champions League and certainly even if you're playing in England. Um, it, would I have Dennis back as part of a team with somebody else? That would be absolutely fantastic. You know, people who know the culture and the identity of the club. But when you look at the big players who are out there, who are moving into coaching, Patrick Vieira, we don't know yet. He's, he's obviously coaching in MLS. Uh, Thierry Henry, I'm not convinced that Thierry Henry is going to be as good a manager as he was a footballer. Um, beyond that, where do you go? It's, it's difficult to see. I'm interested, actually, in Mikel Arteta um, mm -hmm. because I, I, I thought it was quite interesting that he went to work with Guardiola um, because they've obviously got a Barcelona connection and they go back a, a bit there. But having worked under Arsene Wenger for five years, to then go and, and step up, uh, make his first managerial job or his first coaching job with Pep, somebody who's very exacting, very precise, who's got very clear ideas of how he wants football to play. Uh, his, his methods are, 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 are very, very much his own, that he's learning. Arteta looks like a guy who's learned from Arsene Wenger. Now he's going to go learn from Pep Guardiola. And what kind of a manager is, is he going to be? You know, he's gone in as an assistant. He's gone in to, to understudy somebody rather than take over a job. And he always struck me as a very intelligent um, very intelligent guy, Arteta. It's difficult to know, but I, I can't see any former Arsenal player right now being ready or good enough to step into the role to to take over from Arsene Wenger. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's a kind of a, a shambles, really, when you look at you know going forward and planning for the future and how this crop of incredible managers were available. Even Ancelotti, who I love, and he's definitely yeah. that kind of classy guy that would represent the club in a great way but also just a born winner so it's hard to look out and then Diego Simeone is tied to Atleti and, and really plays a different style of football but I think at this point Arsenal fans would they be willing are you willing to compromise beautiful football for winning just for a couple seasons well look I'm 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 of a, I'm of an era where you know Arsenal were derided as a boring side one nil to the Arsenal um, and weren't necessarily known for their for their flowing football which I think does George Graham's sides a bit of a disservice to be perfectly honest in the last couple of years it did get a bit dour but uh, the 1991 side that that only lost one game played some played some amazing football look it comes down to I think a lot of the issues come down to just familiarity and the fact that Arsene Wenger is into his 20th season or his 21st season at the club, that they're just, people get bored. They want something new. Mm -hmm. You know, even if, you, even if you're served lobster for dinner every night, lobster's beautiful. It's beautiful, it's beautiful, it's beautiful. But after a while, you're going, oh, gee, I just love a cheese sandwich. You know, so I think there's an element of that. I think most fans would, would be willing to to compromise to a certain extent. I think we all like to see beautiful football being played. But to me as well, there's a, there's a lot to be said for defending. 
people always point to the other end of the pitch and say, oh, weren't they brilliant when they did this, that, and the other. But there's something fantastic about watching a really well-organized defense keep out another side and, and keep a, a clean sheet and keep things solid at the back. I, I don't really see Simeone as a, a fit for Arsenal either. I think that the, the Arsenal board would just run screaming <laughs> of, of him being the manager because, you know, he is a bit... He's a bit wild, right? Yeah. Uh, and that's part of his personality. It's part of what makes him a, a great manager. But I just think they would look at him as so the opposite of what they think Arsenal should be that they'd never, they'd never even consider it. You're listening to USA Today's EPL Soccer Junkies. We're going to get and I could hog Andrew all day long, so I'm going to get him out on this this final thought. And by the way, Unai Emery, I think, would have been a nice catch for us too. Another manager that that kind of you know got away if you're looking into your crystal football at uh -huh. the end of this season what does your top four look like and the evolving spurs dare i say is this the season they finally catch up well you know people have been saying that season after season after season i suppose the law of averages would say that it's got to happen sometime but uh to to their eternal credit they keep making sure that it doesn't um what does my top four look like? It's difficult to look beyond Manchester City, Manchester United. I think Arsenal will finish in the top four. I think so. It's just what Arsene Wenger does. It's what he's done every single season. And I would be, I would keep a really close eye on Liverpool mm -hmm. because Klopp has a big squad. He's brought in players who are going to fit into the system that he wants to play. Um, they don't have any European football. They're going to have fresh legs. Uh, you know, Arsenal will have to contend with Champions League. Manchester United will have to contend with the Europa League. City, of course, Champions League. You know, Chelsea as well, no European football under Conte. So I think it's going to be uh, more difficult than ever, but perhaps because of how difficult it is, it will, it will mean that the points total to get into the top four won't quite be as high. So I would fancy, I don't know what order, but City, United, Arsenal and, and Liverpool, I think. Yeah, I fancy Liverpool to do quite well this season too. And I live in hope because we still have Koscielny to come back. Santi didn't play a full game. Granite Xhaka is going to, you know, I think be a really nice signing. He's got a nice sweeping left foot like an Alonso-esque pass that I think is lacking in our team right now that I think will help. Ozil will come back and, you know, Bellerin needs to be the Bellerin we've seen in the last couple of seasons. So I live in hope that it's not going to be a season horribilous. Sure. I, and I do think, uh, to be honest, as much as we're critical of the, the club not doing business before the start of the season, I'd be hugely surprised if they didn't do something before the end of the transfer window. So we, we, we should be looking at a squad that is boosted by at least one and hopefully two uh, good new players. Uh, and maybe when things settle down, then, you know, we can find a bit of rhythm. So uh, we'll keep fingers crossed. Andrew, as always, brilliant. Thank you so much for joining us today on the USA Today's EPL Junkies, mate. Thanks, Sophie.